Hey friends, welcome to episode 22 of the Making Room on the Pew podcast, a podcast for the misfits and outcasts. Guys, I'm so, so excited about our guest that we have on the podcast today. Her name is Hannah Vickner-Hoff, and she is an immigration attorney. I've really wanted to get someone to come on to talk about this idea um, of immigration and um, the legal process surrounding that to give us some real information, not just information from someone saying things who doesn't actually know. Um, So I'm really, really honored that Hannah came on to talk about immigration and immigration policy with us. Um, So Hannah Vickner-Hoff, she is an immigration program director at the Legal Aid Society. She believes that immigration policy and procedure really matters for real people. Um, Guys, I think that's just so important in this culture that we have right now, um, talking about immigration and what our legislation really means for actual people, not just in this kind of, um, uh, theoretical sense, but, um, in real people's lives. I think that's really, really important. And I have wanted to get someone to come on to talk about real issues, someone who actually knows what's going on. Um, I feel like in this cancel culture and this fake news culture, um, a lot of people say a lot of things and not a lot of people actually know what they're talking about, specifically around immigration and the policy around immigration, the legal process um, in, in immigration. Um, so I'm really, really honored that Hannah came on to talk about it. She does such a great job, guys. She's a really trustworthy source to get information from. Um, and I just absolutely love her heart for people and for the work. Um, I mean, you guys will tell through this conversation, you can, you can just tell um, her passion for this work. And I'm really honored that she came on to talk about it with us. So without further ado, here is Hannah Vickner-Hoff. Hey friends, isn't Hannah just the best? She is so smart and so good and so passionate, and I just love her and the work that she's doing. Um, I'm so thankful that she came on to talk to us about immigration um, and bring her expertise to us. Uh, So guys, if you want to learn more about immigration and immigration policy and procedure, and I hope you do, this is a really, really important um, topic in our world today, specifically here for um, those of us in America. Uh, So please uh, go ahead and find her on Twitter. Um, She is so good at this. Hannah, she can just give out these little like bite-sized digestible thoughts um, about immigration policy and procedure that we can you know, normal people can actually understand, um, and think about, and it's really helped me shape my view of immigration and the importance of policy and procedure. And I hope that it does the same for you. Um, so you can find her on Twitter. It's at Hannah V H. So Hannah Vickner Hoff at Hannah H A N N A H V 
H. Um, so go find her on Twitter. Keep learning about immigration. And until next time, this has been Making Room on the Pew. Hey friends, welcome to episode 23 of the Making Room on the Pew podcast. I am here for a very special episode with Hawaii, Reverend Sarah. Hello. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's been a very interesting couple of weeks, to say the least. To say the very least. To say the very least. They definitely do not teach you how to pastor through a pandemic. Uh, So all of this is brand new. Yeah. We just did um, our very first live streaming of your sermon today. Well, this weekend. Yeah. We did a a little brief service in the sanctuary. We're very lucky that uh, Sandy, who is our um, director of music, came in and played a little bit and did a sermon and then had some prayers and... That was it, unfortunately. Uh, I wish it, you know, I wish it could be different and have everybody there, but I thought we did a pretty good job of of bringing the community together virtually. So I was very happy. Yeah, well, and a lot of churches did that too. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost surprising when you heard of a church who was still gathering in person. Yeah, this weekend. A, yeah, it was a little weird. I think, you know, I keep thinking about it for myself. When I heard some churches in the area were closing like Monday, Tuesday, I thought, uh, okay, you're a little. It, you know, I, I didn't think about it earlier in the week, but by Thursday, Friday, I knew that we were going to have to, to cancel, uh, in-person worship and we are canceling in-person, in-person worship next week to, uh, to do our part, to flatten the curve, to stop the spread of the coronavirus. And also we're trying to kind of align with the schools in uh, Cedar Grove cause they're also canceling schools. So doing our best. Yeah. Um, I do think that a lot of people's views of COVID-19, the coronavirus, has changed really drastically Mm -hmm. in the past week. I think, like, even myself, you know, what, last weekend, Monday, Tuesday, I kept thinking, like, all right, it's totally fine. We're Everybody's going to be fine. I think also as, like, a coping mechanism, so I didn't panic. And then I think when the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic that really brought it to a whole nother level for a lot of people who were not previously worried. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I didn't start to get worried until I saw some of the stuff from the CDC and I saw that there were a few cases near us Mm -hmm. and I started to think to myself, what would I say um, to one of our members if there was someone nearby and I had a chance to keep everybody home and it spread here? You know, I think a lot of us pastors have a responsibility to consider that a lot of our members would show up without yeah. thinking about themselves because the church is such a big part of their lives. It's a community. And that is a testimony to what we do on Sundays and throughout the week. But we have a responsibility for our people um, who we're shepherding. So. That's when I started to think about it from a different perspective. I mean, we have so many wonderful members and, you know, I I think about all of them and the things that they would come here to do and it stinks. You know, I get so much joy seeing everybody every week and 
you know, it's such a beautiful day out. You know, you think, oh, I would only cancel church if it was like a snowstorm or we lost power, but this is serious. And I don't think it really hit me until I started getting emails after emails after emails of like various restaurants in town saying what their plans were. Um, like places I've ordered stuff, stuff I've ordered like from different places mm -hmm. saying what their plan is and thinking to myself, like, wow, uh, different retailers that I've bought stuff from that are closing their stores down for two weeks. Yeah. You know, and then I really listening to, um, the scientists at the CDC saying stuff about how we're right at that tipping point where we, we could definitely flatten the curve and saying to myself, like, well, what is my social responsibility to my neighbor? You know, I fall into that category that is not going to be as affected if mm -hmm. I got it. But I work in a community where many members fall into that upper category where they could get seriously sick. And it's not just, you know, you have to consider that as well. Um, so that's really what changed for me, too. Um, and realizing we don't have enough test kits and giving the hospitals a chance to really get themselves prepared. Yeah. You know, I get a little nervous when I hear things like it's going to be a million people or this can go on for forever. You know, a lot of this stuff is speculation, but it really could go on forever and there could be a million cases if we don't do steps to limit our social interactions and do the social distancing properly. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk more about that right. later. But um, right now, I want to <clears throat> talk about... Um, like the very basics. So first of all, I do want to make sure that everybody knows that in doing this episode, our goal is not to scare anybody or to cause panic. It's actually the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. um, we're really hoping that by talking about the truth about coronavirus and the state of our world, that we will all feel a little less alone right. in our fear and uncertainty. Um, these are just really unprecedented times that no one's really prepared for. and we believe that we're called to care for one another. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is just us trying to do our best to do that. Yeah. Um, so first of all, let's talk about what this virus actually is. I think it's really important to know what's happening and to get our information from really credible sources. So everything I'm talking about in this episode is from either the CDC or the World Health Organization. So coronaviruses... There is more than one, but coronaviruses are a large family of viruses that cause illness ranging from anything, I mean, the common cold to more severe um, diseases like severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS, mm -hmm. which we had a big scare in, when when was that, the early 2000s maybe? I think so, but I couldn't speak to it uh, like definitively. Right. So... This isn't the first time we have seen a coronavirus. It's just the first time we have seen COVID-19, this specific strain of it, mm -hmm. on such a large scale. Right. Um, so this is a new strain that was discovered in 2019. Did you know that? That's why it's called COVID-19. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, it's the year that it's discovered. Yeah. I just found that out when I was doing research. Um, but it has not been previously identified in humans. It was only in animals. Oh, and really? We yeah, and we hadn't seen it spread to humans um, until 2019. I guess. Wow. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Ada just walked in here. Ada, our cat, heard that it was about animals, made a noise, and turned right back around. 
Yeah, she likes to be involved. Yes. She's been on a couple podcast episodes. She has. She's our third co-host. Um, so this particular strain of coronavirus is a respiratory illness that can spread from person to person through respiratory droplets. So that's like um, the little droplets that come when you like cough or sneeze on someone. Um, typically, you need to be within six feet of someone to like mm-hmm. get that. Um, and it was first identified in Wuhan, China. Symptoms, uh, everything we've been hearing about, fever, cough, shortness of breath, and of course there are those complications that could include pneumonia, multi-organ failure, and death, which I think is what everyone is worried about. They're not necessarily worried about just getting COVID-19 because that in and of itself is not super dangerous for a lot of people. But those um, complications of pneumonia and multi-organ failure are very serious. Absolutely. Um, I think another reason everyone is so scared is because there is no vaccine at this time to prevent against or protect from the strain of coronavirus. And there's also no effective treatment to cure it. So I think those are the big things is just this uncertainty of like we kind of understand – some things about this virus, but we don't know a ton and there's nothing we can do about it. I think that's, what's so scary. I mean, especially for me, that's the, one of the things that scares me. And also the, like, it doesn't feel like there's an end date. Yeah. You know, if it was like, if the experts who I trust would say, okay, two weeks, that's it. I could say, Mm -hmm. okay, I could survive two weeks. I could go, but it's this, you never know. Um, like when, and I think that's what's causing like so much of this panic that we've seen. Like, yeah, you know, we were at lunch with my parents today and telling like sw- almost swapping war stories of the craziness we've seen at grocery stores and Target. And it just, I think I've said this before, I'm not necessarily worried about what the virus would do to my body um, because I am young and I am healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I am worried about people acting the way we've heard about hoarding resources, about taking things off the shelf, about getting into fights, about acting like it's the end of the world. And that's what worries me the most. Um, And I've seen that behavior since last week and it stinks, you know, and you have to be very careful. Like I, I told this story a couple of different times about being at target this week and, you know, we don't, you know, God bless the people working at, Target and food down and all the grocery stores right now, you know, my heart goes out to them because they really are on the front lines and a lot of them are just overwhelmed. So the next time you're in a grocery store or a Target and you're feeling like very frustrated, just remember that there's a hourly employee who doesn't know if they're going to get paid if the store gets shut down, who's been working nonstop to clean so you can come in. So just, just keep that in mind. But anyway, Yeah, well, I think that's a big thing, too, is that, like, a lot of people are talking about, like, oh, well, you know, everybody just work from home. Well, there are some people, like, grocery store workers, like, food service. I mean, you can't just work from home or no one would have anything. Right, and you think about a lot of your local businesses who are going to seriously suffer if this is what it comes down to. I mean, what's the greater good? Now, I think if scientists could definitively say, all right, if everything shuts down for two weeks. Yeah. You know, we nobody goes into any stores and you can go outside, but that's it. And that'll stop everything. Then sure. Yes. But we don't know. And so that's why we're trying to support all of our local businesses and we'll plug every person if we have to. 
Um, I, it makes me sad to think about that. You know, you think about people who are getting laid off now because nobody knows the economy is going to take a bit of a hit and we have to be prepared for that. What doesn't help the situation is going into grocery stores and hoarding. And it's so upsetting to see, you know, I had a person say to me like, this was worse than hurricane Sandy. And if you, if you're not on the East coast and you don't remember hurricane Sandy, hurricane Sandy was bad. It was the scariest thing I think I've ever lived through minus this. Um, but the reason it was so scary, it was because you just didn't know when the power was going to come back on. And that meant that grocery stores lost all their food. You didn't have gas and there wasn't a time and everything looked like a bomb went off. And what I tried to explain to some woman was to me, that was scarier because like there didn't, even if a store had a bunch of stuff, like they had no way to get it to you. And she kept saying, no, 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 this is way worse. This is way worse. Listen, if we are serious about doing social distancing and we only go to the store when we need it and we give the stores time to clean and restock, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. We all have power. We have gas to go somewhere in our cars. You know, that was a scary time. You know, people ask me like how to look on the bright side right now. Well, this is happening in March, which means we're getting an extra hour of sunshine. You know, luckily out here on the East Coast, so far the weather's been great. You know, this didn't happen in December when it was dark and snowing and we were, uh, you know, losing our minds because of the darkness. Um, You know, again, we have power in the house. We have access to movies. We have internet. Like, that is the thing that I keep saying to myself. Like, I have no excuse to hoard because I have so much. And there are people out there that have less than I do who are very vulnerable to this. So do I need 400 containers of antibacterial lotion? No. Right. Well, and that's the thing is that like everything you're saying um, is very true for a lot of people. And then there are a lot of people who are in Mm -hmm. homeless shelters, who are on the streets, who um, are being foreclosed upon. Like all of these people. And the prisoners too. Right. Um, people who don't have access to all of the things that we are giving thanks for. Not that we shouldn't be thankful for that. No, absolutely. But that's the thing. Like I can give thanks to that and then use that to remind myself that there are people in my own community right now who are in those groups that are the most vulnerable who feel like they can't go to the grocery store Mm -hmm. because everybody else has gone ahead of them and taken everything. Yeah. You know, I, I, when I was standing in Target on Friday and faced with the choice if I was going to take all of the cleaning supplies I could grab. I thought about someone who was going to come after me who maybe needed a ride there, who was older, who would have access to nothing because I took so much that I didn't need. You know, yeah. the church needed extra hand sanitizer because at the time we thought we might do a uh, service. You know, I got two extra Clorox wipes and one bottle of Lysol. That's enough to clean our house. That's enough to keep us healthy and safe. Mm-hmm. and enough to help out at the church if we run out of things. Anything else is hoarding. Yeah. And it really, like, it made me think. Yeah. Right, I didn't mean to, you know, belch. <laughs> I just drank a protein <laughs> Well, now you drew attention to it. Well, you know what? You know, I don't edit these anymore, right? Well, now you might want to. So. <laughs> no, I stopped. I decided that our listeners cared about the whole thing so I don't edit anymore how about that yeah um 
Okay, so back to the facts here. The World Health Organization declared the coronavirus outbreak a global pandemic last mm-hmm. week, and then Trump declared a national state of emergency. Yes. Um, and I think that scared a lot of people, too. Um, a lot of people who hadn't previously been scared. Um, I did look at some numbers as of Saturday, March 14th, which was the most updated numbers we had access to at the time we were recording. There were 12 new countries, territories, or areas that had reported cases of COVID-19 in the past 24 hours. At that time, there were over, uh, I can read this number. So there was 142,539 confirmed cases of the virus and 5,393 deaths due to the virus. Right. The World Health Organization has also categorized the risk assessment of the situation as very high on a global scale, both inside and outside of China, not only China and the surrounding areas, which is what everyone previously had just been worried about because it began in Wuhan. Right. And then then the people were worried that it would affect the global um, logistical chain because so much of our industries are in China. Right. Well, and it spread so quickly, which makes total sense based on our um, modern patterns of travel and how, how much, I mean, people travel a lot compared to even 50 years ago. And people don't want to be told not to go somewhere. Right. You know, like, People don't want to be told that they have to be inconvenienced. I mean, that's what's the one thing that you and I have been talking about. Like, I, I, the thing that annoys me about this is I feel like I'm inconvenienced in a lot of ways, but I'm very privileged to say something like that. Exactly. And that's what's so hard is that, you know, we can say, yeah, it's just annoying because we had like a wedding to go to in the Dominican Republic and it's sad that we won't be able to go maybe, um, but there are also people who, whose immune systems are compromised, who are literally isolated at home. You yeah. know, maybe they live alone, completely alone, no touch, no in-person anything in order to save their lives. Mm-hmm. Having said all of this, I do want to say that it is okay to be scared. It's absolutely okay to be scared. Um, I feel like a lot of people have been telling me lately, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Oh, come on. You'll be fine. You're healthy. Whatever. Yes, all of that may be true. But this is still really scary. No one can tell me that I should be able to hear All of that information we just talked about from the best medical and scientific minds in the world and then not be worried. True. People are being isolated in their homes so they don't pass on potential illness. And the world just in general feels really unsettled. Like stores are closed. Restaurants are empty. Kids are out of school. It's weird. And it's obviously really serious. Yeah, it is. So first and foremost – our feel our fear is valid and allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, if you feel like you need permission to ask for help, support, or a special outpouring of love, 
this is it. Right, absolutely. If you feel like you need permission to call your parents or grandparents or family members to check in at the risk of feeling or seeming silly Mm -hmm. for worrying, this is it. If you feel like you need permission to ask your boss or your pastor why they are still promoting large gatherings of people despite the guidance of the CDC to avoid it, this is it. Wanted to get that out. Absolutely. Uh, Fear is valid. Fear is okay. We can feel it all. And we can still move forward in this new weird way of life that we're all kind of trying to figure out right now. So, babe, Mm -hmm. as the resident pastor (laughs) of the Making Room in the Pew podcast. I got a a promotion. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's hear it. What um what pastoral um advice do you have for us about all of this? About the whole COVID nineteen pandemic hoarding, just this whole situation of the last couple of weeks. I think this is a chance for us to really practice what we preach. I talk to my congregation all the time about how. The time is now. And the time is now to do things. Well, literally, the time is now. You know, we talk about doing social justice. We talk about doing and loving our neighbor in a very uh, hypothetical and theoretical sort of way. And this is our chance to actually do it. Um, And it's sort of like we've been called to the carpet in a way as humans, and especially Christians, because we have not done what we're supposed to have done. Um, And I think that's a fair thing to say about most Christians that we have fallen short Um, because we still have pastors who are doing large gatherings because too many of our denomination bodies, our governing bodies never took a stance on this, which is shame on them. You know, like I'm only speaking from my own denomination. There was not one message sent that we should suspend worship. Yeah. Um, And that's inappropriate too, because there are pastors who look for guidance who got nothing. I think we have to remember too, Jesus asks us to love God and love our neighbor. And that should be what guides us. Like you said, it's okay to be scared. It's okay. But when you allow fear to turn into hatred and fear to turn into everything that comes that is nasty, then you have forgotten that you can ask God for help. Now, praying tomorrow that the coronavirus is going to go away. I don't know. Certainly we should pray. But what you can do in the meantime to act is to make sure that people are okay. Think about the difference this world would be if we practiced an idea of when this, when this was first really discovered in Wuhan and in, in China, instead of blaming Chinese people for a disease that's not their fault, a virus, instead of, fear-based reactions, we said, what can we do for Wuhan? And while they were containing it, sending in as much resources as possible and not panicking, but instead taking that as an opportunity to lead with our hearts. And so that is the message I have. Um, Humanity has survived through a lot of different things. This is very scary. I'm not going to say that it isn't. You're, you can feel scared, 
but the moment you allow fear and your uh, own insecurities rise up, that's when you need to check it back and ask God for help. So that is my message. And remember that there is a person in your life, in your community that right now needs your help. And instead of going to the store and buying a hundred things of water, because the virus is not going to get in the water supply. It's annoying that people do that. Call one of your neighbors who's in that at-risk category and say, is there anything I can do for you? You know, when you're in a Target or a grocery store, smile at the person who's checking out your, your uh, items. Don't be mean. And just, we're going to get through this together because we're all in it together. This virus is affecting every class of human being. It doesn't discriminate. And so because it's not discriminating, neither should we in our reaction. We're all in it together. Yeah. I want to read um, a poem by Reverend Lynn Ungar. Okay. I hope I said that right. If not, I'm really sorry. Um, so she wrote this on just last week. Mm -hmm. I want to say March 11th, um, and it's called Pandemic. What if you thought of it as the Jews consider the Sabbath, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel, cease from buying and selling, give up just for now on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. You know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has become clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. Mm. I love that. Yeah. All right. So this has been a really heavy episode and an even heavier and harder past week or so. So let's end on some good news. Maybe something we're thankful for or something good that has happened. What you got? I think I am thankful for all of the good things that I've seen people doing in reaction to this. Like there's a lot of negativity, but I've also seen lots of different groups making sure that kids who are out of school who didn't have access to meals are getting their meals, like Mm -hmm. especially uh, breakfast and lunch. Um, And I think that's a wonderful thing, seeing that reaction. So, and even in our own church, uh, letting our, letting people park in our parking lot who need parking, uh, to go to the grocery, who are the working at the grocery store, something like that. You know, we, we want to be there for our neighbor. Yeah. I think for me, it's just been, um, being outside. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very thankful that it is finally spring oh, yeah. in New Jersey and that it has been, you know, good 45 50, 55 degrees outside so that we can go hiking or even just like we walked around the neighborhood um, 
this weekend, this past weekend. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing just to get out. So it was very nice. Yeah. So, uh, lots of scary stuff happening in the world, lots of uncertainty, lots of fear. Um, but we are collectively going to be okay. Um, hopefully (laughs) as long as, um, we continue to care for each other and we remember that we are all in this together. And so until next time, this has been Making Room on the Pew.